In this episode of Fictional Hangover, we talk about garbage shark murder, how monsters are heroes too, slapping a panda, making out with a mirror maze, hors d'oeuvres of guilt before the main course of guilt, followed by a kebab of guilt, in our discussion of Good Girls Die First by Catherine Foxfield. I'll take two kebabs of guilt. So much delicious guilt. It's just a, just one date night for that entire thing, isn't it? Yeah, it's perfect. Hey everybody, welcome to Fictional Hangover, a podcast about young adult and new adult books, series, authors, and voice actors that is full of spoilers. I'm Amanda. And I'm Claire. And today we're going to discuss Good Girls Die First by Catherine Foxfield. Standard disclaimer! If you haven't read this book, please remember that Fictional Hangover is all about spoilers. If you haven't read and don't want to be spoiled, stop listening to us and go read the book. Then come back. If you haven't done this but want to pretend that you have, or if you don't care about spoilers, or if you just like the show so much that you don't care about any of that, then listen up. I totally thought you were going to introduce yourself as Raven Whispers. Well, I mean, I should have, but if you're only listening to the episode, then you won't get it, mm-hmm. which is a perfect introduction for us to say, go join our Patreon. Any tier <laughs> of our Patreon now will get you these exciting and wonderful videos, even the $1 tier. Ooh. Ooh. So give us a dollar. And look at us in our funny makeup today. <laughs> yes. You feel like you look like a raven. I feel like I look like a raccoon. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> I'm a little garbage panda. Which Aww. is also appropriate given it one is. of the characters in the book. It is. Or two of them, really, on account of the garbage. That is true. But we're Bit not... fishy, but okay. But we're not there yet. We're not there yet. Because we're at the very beginning of the episode. Hooray! We are. We are at the stage where you shall provide me with background information. Yes. So I read an interview on and on shereads.wordpress.com. And Catherine was asked, why and how did you decide to write young adult thrillers? So I kind of cut and pasted this response together because she had another question that followed and it had really good stuff too so I just put it all together and the response is when I was a teenager I read a lot of adult horror but struggled to find books that I could relate to Stephen King and James Herbert don't have much to say to a 15 year old girl so it made sense that I'd end up writing the books I wished I had to read when I was young Then she goes on to say, I loved point horror when I was a teenager. They're so trashy and silly, but great fun. Some of the characters are awful people, and I can't wait for them to die. Which, (laughs) if you go and listen to our bonus episode with Catherine Foxfield, you will understand this sentiment. Yes. Yes. I loved point horrors when I was younger. See, I mean, I read R.L. Stein. Which is close it's enough. Same, it's close enough to the it's same thing. Same difference. Yeah. And they were all terrible characters, and you want all of them to die, which is like one of our favorite things anyway. Now as grown-ups, so it's fine. There wasn't a point horror. There's there's one I always remember called Horoscope, and it was based like there was a horoscope killer, Ooh. and there was a ren fair which in in it, and it always made me want to go to a ren fair. Oh, that's nice. 
Yeah. It, it's it's the kind of book actually we'll, we'll probably cover on this show. <laughs> we probably should. We've done. I might see if I can get copies. Yeah. And, and send one to you because I think it would be a fantastically fun cheesy horror yes. retro episode. Which that would be perfect because we have a month all about cheesy horror. <gasps> oh my god, it's like I knew. I know. Oh my gosh. I'm going to see if I can find these. I don't. I know I don't have mine anymore, yeah. sadly. But I'm going to see yeah. if I can locate these. Do you remember? That one R.L. Stein that we did for New Year's <laughs> Eve a couple years ago. Yes. And it was so full of cliffhangers. <laughs> it was so good. It was a good one. Happy New Year. Or is it cliffhanger? <laughs> oh, man. Oh, that was so funny. I feel like we need to dig up that uh, video and share it with everyone. Because it's still New Year. We're still celebrating the New Year. It's only our second episode of January. Of New Year. Yeah. yeah. I still haven't seen a lot of people to go happy. I know. So. Yeah. We need to find that video and share it because it was great. It really was. And we're all dressed up all fancy that. Yes. Anyway, let's talk about this book. Okay. It's not set in. It is not set at the new year. <laughs> Fact. <laughs> Fact bomb. Do you know, I've had this on my shelf for ages well I, have, I had the uk copy on my shelf for ages yeah and then a kind soul benevolent that she is sent me the u.s edition as well because i freaking love the cover of it the cover is amazing it is it really is and i just i wish that i still got to do book character cosplays as much as i used to more than just when we dress up for episodes which is almost every episode now but um I just I wish I got to I wish I got to do that because this one would be a great one because it has a creepy mask. It really would be great. Yes, creepy mask and a parasol. Yeah. What more do you need? What more do you need? Nothing. No, Nothing. cheese. Cheese. Yes, because fictional hangover <laughs> is powered by cheese. <laughs> Fact. All right. Um. So. Anywho. <laughs> what you Anywho. Um. I I just I can't believe it took us so long to read it because we have had these books for a very long time and it just it took us forever to like find a good place and you know we have our monthly themes that we do and there's only so many weeks in a month and it was just tough so we finally just decided you know what this one will fit in nicely with mm-hmm. our January theme of Netflix, call us. Read a book that has been adapted or needs to be adapted. This one will be a great adaptation, we think. So, here it is. Here it is. Yes, I think um, our schedule's weird. Like, we, we do plan so far in advance because we have to. Right. But we do have to have certain amount of, you know, flexibility. Right. And it's just, it's just unfortunate happenstance that's taken so long, but good happenstance that it's fallen this month. So it's very yes. exciting. Yes. And we were Shall very we lucky. Again? No, I need to say that Ooh. we were very lucky that we are friends 
with Amy McCall, author Amy McCall, yes. on social media because she helped us get in touch with Catherine Foxfield, who was able to join us, which we didn't necessarily plan for. You know, we had talked it was about hot, it. But it was not, hot, right. Yeah. So, you know, if you're looking at our wonderful little episode preview posts that we make on social media, typically. When we have a special guest, there is a little, like, tiny little cute little ribbon on the corner of that book cover. And you'll notice that this one doesn't have one. So it's a surprise! Surprise! It's a bonus episode! Yay! And if you're subscribed, which you should be, it will automatically be available to you. And if you're not subscribed, get subscribed. Get subscribed, really. And if you want to watch the bonus episode this one you will have to join our bonus tier for but you'll still get the audio and it's fine but if you want to watch this one you have to join our bonus tier gotta have something special for those bonus folks exactly and also hashtag always be plugging always be plugging something else that i don't want to say that we should be plugging but this book i don't want to forget to mention it has some has some triggering things in it yeah yeah so um we don't just go into lots and lots of detail in the summary about these things but they do happen there's some suicide some rape some assault some mental health and eating disorder and like drug use stuff there's a lot of deep heavy stuff that happens in this book and also lots of murders yay yay for murder the murders we don't gloss over but the trigger warning stuff we do we do because we care about at least as much as we as much as possible because we understand this is not subject matter that every listener is comfortable with but murder yes murder every listener likes a bit of murder definitely All right, it's 8 o'clock, and Ava is standing outside Portgrave Pier. She received an invitation earlier that week to come to the abandoned carnival on the pier. Typed on the back of a copy of one of her photos, along with the message, Can you keep a secret? Forty years ago, a fire tore through the funfair, and it was never restored. Now, it's a mile-long ghost town reaching into the sea that no one talks about, peeking out of the fog. It's the perfect place to go and just hang out for funsies. Sounds totes fun. (laughs) Eva takes a selfie with her DSLR camera when Jolie, her best friend, though they're struggling right now, turns up wearing a panda onesie. It's washed here, okay? You know, you, you work with what you got. Jolie got an invitation similar to Ava's. However, hers is typed on an old freak show poster. But the message, can you keep a secret, is there too. Could that have something to do with her brother being caught in a house fire? He survived, but will need years of plastic surgery and therapy. And people are not kind to him about it. A third person turns up, Clem, a pretentious musician and popular boy at school. Jolie can't stand him and doesn't know Ava kissed him. Well, until now, because it's clearly written on Ava's face. 
His invitation is on a gig flyer with a naked woman in ecstasy. As they're standing on the pier, the lights come on. Um, hang on. They still work? What? What? Walking in slowly Papa? and carefully, Ava thinks she sees something. Not a person, a thing from nightmares, but it disappears quickly. Jolie is going to punch it in the dick regardless and heads toward it. Further in, they hear other voices. Ollie, Portgrave's answer to Captain America. Livia, a nice girl who is also a druggie. And fake tanned, self-proclaimed hottie dancer Scarlet. Bit of a ragtag group. They don't necessarily mm. fit together here. Mm-hmm. Scarlet and Jolie start laying into each other. Then words turn to kicks, slaps, and scratches. As Jolie is walking away, fed up with the whole thing, Scarlet pushes her through a decaying building. Inside is a gallery of pictures of stern-faced men, some oil paintings, some photographs, some on pieces of wood looking hundreds of years old. The last picture is of the magnificent Baldo, the last head of the carnival. The only constant in each picture is a gold-framed mirror with a creepy face half-hidden in shadow but not hiding his grin. Ava spots the mirror hanging amongst the portraits. Ollie spots a jar with Can You Keep a Secret on it that's filled with a strong-smelling liquid and... Is that worms or tongues. Livia reveals that her granddad used to work at the carnival and he always told her the one thing that scared him was whispers, that creepy face in the mirror, and that that jar is his. Julie has had enough and storms out. Ava following. They have a fight and Julie calls Ava fake before walking away. The best friends, but have started to grow apart this last year. Alone, something catches Ava's attention. A sign for whispers. Raising her camera, she snaps a photo and hears actual whispers. Walking around near the melted carousel, she spots something. Oh, someone. Unfortunately, it's Noah, who hasn't been seen in a year and who hates Ava for getting him in trouble with the police, leading to a criminal record. She snaps some pictures of him on the beach with homeless people fighting and Noah joining in and posted them online. The police saw and the next night they were waiting for the fight club. Both Noah and Ava believe the other is responsible for their naught. As the storm hits, Noah runs off and Ava tries to follow, but unfortunately the pier gives way and Noah falls through the, to the rocks below. Livia happens by at this point, blames Ava for trying to kill Noah because they have history, and takes ages to get help as Ava scrambles down. Eventually, Ollie and Clem come, jump down and get Noah to safety. As they assess their situation, they realise they are now trapped on All Hallows Rock, since the only connecting pier had just collapsed behind them. During the rescue, Ava saw something impossible. The ghost of Rachel, a girl they all know, who killed herself. Oof. Everyone staggers into a nightclub on the island, and as they enter, they hear voices further in the club. Ava goes to check it out and finds Teddy, the posh, rich kid, sneery and judgy Imogen, and Esme, the ice queen, who may or may not have a secret relationship with Livia if school gossip is to be believed. 
Teddy plays bartender, pouring 40-year-old disgusting drinks as they discuss what's going on. Essentially, they have no idea, but it's likely blackmail. With nothing better to do and no phone reception to call for help, most of them start knocking back shots. Sensible. Of course you would. Yes, exactly. <laughs> You're trapped on a pier that's dilapidated. What do you do? Shots. Shots. Shots, 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 shots. Eventually, they move onto the dance floor, making a fire with things lying around. This does not sound safe either. No! What are they even thinking? Stop it. <laughs> Scarlet is dancing to tinny music on her phone. Teddy is drunk. Ava is taking pictures, and the rest are talking about ghosts, including Jolie, who has reappeared without explanation to the others. Scarlet stops dancing and tells Ava to stop using a flash. Uh, but she isn't, so what is that? Suddenly, the doors burst open and Ava thinks Rachel has come, but it's actually Livia. Ava tries to find out if Livia saw the ghost of Rachel when Noah fell, but instead of answering, she pops a pill. Bored, they start to play Kiss or Truth. Jolie starts with Ava and doesn't go easy despite being best friends. The game isn't fun and just causes more friction. Suddenly, they feel a strong vibration and hum of electricity. Outside, the power is on at the carnival with rides and attractions lit up and music playing. Scarlet starts laughing crazily and calling them all idiots before confessing to being a gold digger, using men to tell her everything before she uses it against them. Teddy realizes she's done that to him to get to his dad. At the end of her rant... Scarlet screams, You hear me? I confess! Now let me go! Choose one of them, not me! When she calms down, Scarlet doesn't remember any of it and storms off. No one is bothered about going after her. Shrug. <laughs> She's quality people. She really odds. is. They all care so deeply about her. They start bickering about who is doing this and then split up, and Ava ends up at a photo booth. When she looks inside, a flash goes off, leaving an image bleached on her retinas of a face with black painted lips and smudgy eye makeup. Then she hears a whispered, Can you keep a secret? Will you be the one? (gasps) Ava wakes up suddenly the next morning after having fallen asleep in the booth. The power is out at the carnival again, but as she leaves the booth, Ava notices a card in the photograph slot. On it are four pictures of her and Scarlet messing around, and in the last picture, they're almost kissing. She doesn't remember this happening last night, like, at all. Pocketing the pictures, Ava looks for the others and finds Teddy, who seems both drunk and hungover at the same time. He says this whole thing is a test, but doesn't explain why. Leaving him, Ava walks on and runs into Jolie. They have another argument about her being fake, keeping secrets and hiding behind the camera. Ava takes her camera out and looks through the pictures, trying to figure out what happened the night before when they find everyone else but Scarlet. Together they decide to go for her, looking for her, which is when the creepy row, row, row your boat starts playing from behind no, the food store. No, thank you. Never approach the children's nursery that's nope. got nope. no rhyme or reason for being nope. there. As Ava looks at a blurry picture, they find the subject of it. Upside down, long hair trailing, mouth gaping, eyes staring. 
Scarlet is dead, our children bought ride. Uh, I mean, yes, because she was dreadful, but... Uh. <laughs> and nobody cares. Nobody cares at all. Everyone, with the exception of Imogen, thinks they were the one who killed Scarlet. They all had motives because Scarlet was really, really unlikable. Since no one wants to take the fall for the murder of the hateful bitch, they dump her body into the sea and agree to stick to the story that they came to party and Scarlet fell. Imogen struggles with this plan, but seriously, just stick to the story. Scarlet really wasn't anyone's friend. Like, no one is going to miss her at all. It's fine. Ava sees the ghost of Rachel again after the body is dumped. Everybody looks terrible and feels awful, like their thoughts are not their own. They need to get back to the mainland and decide to go looking for a lifeboat hut. Clearly someone has been in there, going by the fresh splinters and broken padlock. There is a boat inside, but the means to lure it doesn't work, and there is a pile of broken oars. Clearly someone doesn't want them to leave. Teddy picks a suspicious-looking wood chip from Ava's hair and softly whispers that he can keep a secret. Looking around for a radio or anything useful, they disturb a rat that disappears down a hole into another room under the boathouse. Noah makes a rag torch and lights it with Livia's lighter, Jolie refusing to give up hers, and climbs down. Ava, in an effort not to be seen as the biggest coward, goes down with him. The tunnel is super dark, super smelly, and super creepy. Livia and Esme have also come down to investigate, and the foursome walk deeper into the tunnel. They pass nests of roots that lead to pitch-dark holes while Livia talks about her granddad, who was the handyman at the fun fair. He was the only one of the employees to remain in Portgrave after the fire and would talk about guilt a lot. He was kicked out of their house when he stole some money from Livia's mom, and six months later, he was dead. As they walk, they find a skeleton wrapped in chains and a screwdriver in its chest. This must be the magnificent Baldo. Ava pulls the screwdriver free and notices the initials A-Q-H on the handle. Deciding that finding a way off the island is more important than a 40-year-old murder mystery, they carry on. Eventually, they find a large cavern full of artefacts from different periods in history. Roman helmets, pinball machines, gallows, and weaving between them are the creepy roots. This is weird. Suddenly, there is a scream. Esme has fallen into one of the root holes. She's holding on, but it's a struggle. Livia and Noah go to search the cavern for something to help, while Ava stays with Esme and they have their first real conversation. They talk about how Esme is strongly independent and sees herself as a lone wolf. Then the roots give out. Luckily, she's able to grab another tangle when Livia and Noah return with some chains and are able to pull Esme out. She seems fairly unfazed by the fact she almost fell to her death. It's fine. <laughs> it's it's fine. fine. Let's just have a nice little heart-to-heart while I'm dangling here over a bottomless precipice. And it's okay. It's fine. It's okay. Let's go fire screen. It's fine. Continuing their exploration, 
They come out at the far end of the carnival near a jetty with spectator seating for Baldo's cage escape show. The cage swings from high above like a medieval gibbet. They make their way back through the carnival and stumble upon Imogen wearing Scarlet's coat, which is gross, completely unfazed that she's taken the coat from a dead girl. She's the worst. Anyway, she encourages them not to be late for the party. The others have set up a show. Clem is acting as the MC. Ollie performs as a strong man, with Jolie and Ava volunteering to be lifted. Imogen sings a song, and Noah is a fire breather, which triggers Jolie because of her brother. As Jolie lays into Noah, Ava sees Scarlet's ghost, which interrupts Jolie's tirade. Spinning on Ava, Jolie storms off, Ava following but losing track of her. Ollie, Livia, and Clem follow Ava. They mention how the island feels wrong, that they lose time and have memories of events they don't remember living. They also realise Teddy wasn't at the shore. Looking up, they see him at Baldor's gibbet. Climbing up the rocks, they find an extremely drunk Teddy who tells them he can hear whispers. Teddy starts talking like Scarlet did before she died, unhinged and hysterical. Then he confesses his secret the one Scarlet knows and was going to use against him. He drank and drove and he killed Ollie's brother. Oh. Ollie growls murderer at the same time Ava hears whispers. Suddenly, the nightly storm starts. Lightning flashes, exploding rocks near them, electrifying Baldor's cage and hitting Teddy, who goes rigid, starts smoking and falls into Baldor's cage. The lever to drop the cage is... So temptingly close. It's just, it's right there. It's right there. As lightning strikes again, Ava closes her eyes, and when she opens them, Teddy's cage is gone. Uh oh. Just as suddenly, time lurches again, and she's back on the show stage. Esme and Livia are there and question Ava about what happened on the rocks. Her memories are jumbled, but certain that Teddy is dead, and either she, Ollie, or Clem are responsible for pulling the lever, though she's pretty sure it wasn't her. <laughs> Possibly. Esme says she saw Ollie and Clem earlier, and that Ollie looked spooked, and Clem was arguing with Jolie. When Ava goes to find Jolie, she runs into Clem, who is super defensive about his conversation with her and aggressive about Ava flirting with Noah, which is just not right. Noah. It's not a thing. It's not a thing. Noah, coincidentally, comes across them and tells Clem to back off. Ava and Noah find Ollie on the rocks next to Teddy's cage. Teddy no longer inside. He confesses that he let the voices in and that he killed Teddy. Then confesses that he took steroids and cheated for his bodybuilding competition. Ollie tells them the lies stop now and they will have no more secrets when they get home. Speaking of which, he has an idea to get them over the gap in the pier and will need some equipment from the lifeboat hut. Meanwhile, Jolie turns up and there are more arguments, including one about Clem. Jolie grabs Ava's camera, looks through the pictures, deletes them, and calls her a pervert. Ooh. Ooh, what's on the camera? 
Ollie puts together a grappling hook and safety line and manages to secure them over the gap in the pier. He's able to safely make it across before freeing one of the ropes, preventing the others from following. His intention was never to get everyone across, but to get to town, send help for them, and confess to the police despite the pact that they made after Scarlet's death. Jolie turns frantic and tries to cross by launching herself at the line. She manages to snag it, but unfortunately can't hold on, and now the rope is failing. So Ollie is forced to come back and get her. He manages to get her back to the funfair side, while Clem screams for Ollie to drop Jolie and save himself. As the others haul Jolie up by her panda onesie, Ollie falls down into the rocks and water. Jolie right-hooks Clem as she screams at him. Clem swings at her and knocks her unconscious. As he walks away, Clem tells everyone that he's going to be the one. Poor Ollie. Womp womp. <laughs> After a lot of arguing and accusations, Ava tells them it's time to take some control. As they talk, they realise that Clem tampered with the rope which broke and ultimately killed Ollie, so they need to find and secure him because he's the greatest threat if he believes he is the one. Following Clem's bloody handprints leads them to the mirror maze. Going aside, there are three doors, so in classic horror movie style, they decide to split up. Esme and Livia, Noah and Jolie, and Ava and Imogen. Ugh, Imogen. Ugh. Oh, it's the worst. As they move through the maze, Imogen proves again what a nasty person she is by moaning about her friend Rachel, the one whose ghost Ava keeps seeing, and how her mental health and anorexia affected and inconvenienced her. Ugh. Ugh. Hate Imogen. Yeah, me too. She's the worst. And it didn't get better. When Rachel finally no. got her date with Clem, but really, he was too good for her. Same with Jolie. Um, excuse me, Jolie hates Clem. They're not a thing. They didn't date. Mm. Well, according to Imogen, she didn't hate him the other night. <gasps> Meanwhile, they have found a small room, and their reflections in the mirrors have changed. While Ava sees a twisted version of herself, Imogen sees herself with full Hollywood glamour. Ava pulls Imogen away, who screams at her for ruining it and runs off. Spinning around, Ava comes face to face with whispers. Ooh. Whispers taunts Ava in his sing-song voice. He tells her he has been there for thousands of years and will continue for thousands more. Only he needs to inhabit a human as his natural form is incompatible with this world. Even then, he can't venture too far from the island, his power base, without getting weaker. Clem has promised Whispers his devotion if he will save his life, which is a tempting offer. However, Whisper also tries to recruit Ava. Ending the conversation, Ava leaves the Muramirs and runs through the nightly storm to the arcade where the others are. She tells them Clem has volunteered to be Whisper's one and is out to kill them. Ooh. Ava sounds frantic as she's trying to persuade the others about Whispers and Clem. Imogen, being the nice girl she is, wants to kick Ava out of the arcade. Calming down, Ava heads away from the others and deeper into the arcade for some quiet. 
Noah follows, and they talk for a while, but Ava sees whispers watching and laughing in the arcade machine screens. Returning to the others, Ava is carving a Ouija board in the floor with Baldo's murder screwdriver. When Livia calls forth the spirits, it spells out Alfred Quentin Holt, A-Q-H, from the screwdriver inscription and Livia's granddad. Suddenly, Clem turns up, and he has a gun! What? No! It's alright. It's a fake gun from an arcade shooter. And Clem claims he only wants to talk to Ava. Dragging her away from the others, Clem wants to know what she is doing with Noah. What? What? Clem is acting ridiculously jealous and accusing Ava of flirting with Noah. He's also being really aggressive and claiming to be a nice guy while accusing Ava and Jolie of gossiping about him. Clem rants about Scarlet and Rachel too, accusing Rachel of leading him on and blaming him in the morning. Ava Uh now knows Clem's secret. Oh... That's, oh, it's not, it's not a good secret. Yes. Realizing his mistake, Clem makes a run for it, but slams straight into Noah and Jolie, landing on his ass. Esme ties Clem up and leads him away. Ava turns on Imogen. She doesn't deny knowing about Clem and Rachel and how he forced himself on her. However, Imogen thinks Rachel lied about it because all she wanted was attention. Imogen also doesn't believe Clem confessed because he can have anyone he wants, so why would he do that? Ava checks on Jolie, who can't remember anything about the other night because the pictures Ava took were the only record. Ava decides it's time to talk without whispers listening in. Taking curtains down from around the arcade, Ava makes a nest on the roof with all the reflective surfaces covered. Everyone shuffles up and realises it's the first time they can think clearly for days. They decide not to let anyone out of their sight and not to give in to whispers. They also decide to try the cavern again as a means of escape, since it's basically their only option at this point. Livia thinks the whole situation is her fault because her granddad killed Baldor and set fire to the funfair. Then he hosted whispers for 40 years to keep him at bay. If she hadn't stolen the money from her mom and let her granddad be accused of the theft and kicked out to the streets, eventually leading to his death, well, there wouldn't be. Thank goodness Whispers doesn't hear her confession. Clem congratulates Ava on her sneakiness. She covered every reflection but one. The screen on her camera. Esme leads the group to the cavern entrance by the jetty. All the time, Jolie and Imogen are bickering. The cavern stings of death as they search for anything useful, and Imogen continues to witter on about being nice and perfect and not hiding anything. Eventually, Ava snaps at her, and Imogen takes offense and leaves. A few moments later, Jolie finds something useful, an ancient wooden canoe. It needs some work, but they should have the supplies in the lifeboat hut. In the hut, Esme and Livia have a spat about their on-again, off-again relationship, and Livia runs off, Ava following. She ends up at the photo booth again and sees Ollie's ghost, who says there are six survivors. No, that's not right. There's seven of them left. Nope. You'll be too late. 
Ava runs and finds Livia face down next to an empty vodka bottle in the club with Noah, Esme and Jolie around her. Imogen, sitting at the bar, is snarky and insensitive over Livia's death. Everyone turns on Imogen. They know she spiked Livia's vodka, causing an overdose because she's too blasé and defensive, but they want her to say it. Telling her to drink from the bottle, Imogen slaps it away and makes a run for the roof. Noah, Esme, Jolie and Ava follow. On the roof, Imogen goes hysterical, saying she's done nothing wrong, saying they were only words. This was just her playing the game. They insist Imogen confess, and eventually she does. Rachel called her the night of her death, asking for help. Imogen refused her, saying her phone calls were annoying and pathetic cries for attention and to just do it. Imogen had the chance to save Rachel, but she pushed her away, making Rachel's mental health and suicide out to be a massive inconvenience to her. The storm hits again while Imogen is standing at the edge of the building and the bricks give way. Ava takes a photo just as Imogen falls. Bye, Imogen. Get out of here. We don't care. Esme wraps Livia's body and insists they bring her back to Portsgrave, but the boat still needs fixing, so no one argues with her at the moment. Clem tries to stir up negativity and insists Noah wouldn't act any differently than he did if he were alone with a girl and could get away with it. Nah. Nah, Noah has a conscience. He wouldn't do that. They turn back to the canoe, but as they do so, Ava sees something in the water near Clem. It's debris and garbage, but it looks like a shark? Suddenly, the water swirls and a huge garbage shark emerges and hits them. When the water recedes, Clem has been impaled by a two-meter shard of wood through the heart. Hooray for garbage shark! (laughs) Yes! We love garbage shark! Garbage shark is MVP. Yes! (laughs) Clem's death makes Noah panic he confesses that he knew Livia's granddad Alfred he met him at the fights Alfred had organised a big fight for him but Noah refused and Alfred was forced to take his place he wasn't the same after and a month later Alfred was dead when Noah finishes he runs to the main square and Ava follows but is too late to save him she only finds his boots at the pier edge near where Ollie died Whispers laughter reverberates. Ava, pissed off, goes into the portrait hall and smashes the place up. She realises killing Clem took a lot of Whispers' strength. Ah, garbage shark. It's a very powerful garbage shark. Poor Whispers. Now he's weak. (laughs) Feel bad for him. (laughs) While Jolie consoles Ava, Esme takes the canoe and Livia's body and leaves the island. Ava and Jolie are exhausted and have their first non-shouty conversation, in which Jolie apologizes for being a jerk. As they watch the water churn, they see Esme in the canoe back at the lifeboat launch. The waves were too strong for her to escape. Suddenly, Jolie has an idea. She suggests to Ava and Esme that they each confess, then whispers will want none of them. Esme agrees, saying there will be no judgments. 
Jolie was responsible for the fire which badly burned her brother. She had horrible curtains in her bedroom. She would burn holes into when she was upset. One day, she held her lighter until the whole curtain went up. Her brother was burned, saving her life. And he knows Jolie was responsible for the fire and never told anyone. Her guilt is over never apologising. Esmere tells them she shoplifted a packet of hair dye. She's worked really hard to get out of Portsgrave and doesn't want anything to hold her back, which a police record would. Ava confesses that she was there taking pictures of Rachel on top of the building before she jumped. But that wasn't everything, was it, Ava? Mm. Mm. <sighs> Disappointingly, there's no big dramatic explosion or anything after they confess. Just an uneasy pause. Esme realizes she can't take Livia's body, so she goes to say her goodbyes. However, as she comes out of the lifeboat hut, she's pouring gasoline everywhere. Esme flicks on Livia's lighter and sends the hut up in flames. Jolie runs toward her and drags Esme away from the inferno. At a short distance away, Esme seems to come to her senses. Unfortunately, they aren't far enough away from the explosions. The first is loud, the second is louder, and the flaming debris catches on Jolie's highly flammable onesie. Uh, Esme runs off towards Teddy's cage while Ava slaps the flames away, but Jolie is badly injured. The rain starts then, so Ava takes a canoe and covers Jolie. Ava realises that Esme lied about her secret because she lied as well. As she goes to find Esme, the ghosts appear, urging Ava to confess, trying to increase her guilt over their deaths. But Ava won't let them in. She reaches the mermaids and whispers, watches, smirking as Ava approaches Esme. Ava and Esme confront each other, each accusing the other, each wanting to live, each needing the other to confess. Ava swings a plank of wood at the mirrors until she connects with Esme, breaking her nose, while the ghosts urge her to kill. Ava refuses as Whispers howls and screams, but Ava knows the ghosts aren't her friends. They're his puppets. Whispers turns to Esme, telling her Livia died because of Ava, who had her camera uncovered on the rooftop. She could have warned Livia, but she didn't. Esme knows Livia is gone and nothing is going to bring her back, so she remembers their time together and how they met. Esme confesses that it wasn't shoplifting that brought her to the pier, it was Livia. She found her invite and made her own so she could come too, because Livia was her secret. Esme is not the lone wolf she has always claimed to be. Ava confesses that she wanted Rachel to die, but then she didn't. She just wanted something to happen. She took dozens of pictures of Rachel standing on the top of the building waiting for her to jump. After she did, she wished she could go back and help her. Esme declares that they will save themselves and that they have no more guilt for Whispers to hold them as he goes crazy, screaming and thrashing inside the broken mirrors. Running from the mirror maze, Ava and Esme head to the tunnels in the cavern, but smoke from the lifeboat hut has filled the tunnel. Whispers' anger is making the ground shake and crack, his screams booming, causing rock to rain down on them. In the cavern, the monster that calls himself Whispers splits the cavern and the cliff above. Whispers declares that he will not be bested by children and cracks the earth, revealing a network of roots. 
As Ava looks around for an escape, Esme climbs to the top of the rubble mountain, tells Whispers her last secret that she just wants to save herself, and jumps, wrapping her arms around Whispers and pulling him down into the darkness. Ooh. Eva pushes the canoe away from the island and lets the riptide take her to shore. The ghosts of Rachel, Scarlet, Teddy, Ollie, Imogen, Clem, Noah, Livia, Jolie and Esme watch her leave. Oh, and then there was one. But does she even survive? We don't know. We don't know. And we don't really care. I hope she capsizes and gets eaten by a garbage shark. Personally. Yeah. She's not a good person either. No. no right. Not. I need to go and eat some cheese. Yes. So... Yes. We have decided. We decided in our author chat that... We are powered by cheese, so it's time for a cheese break. It's on brand for me. It is. It really is. Cheese break! Cheese break! What's up, fellow book nerds? It's time to feed your fiction shelf addiction. Hear book club-style roundtables, bookish chats, and more. Join Tamara and her friends for fantasy and thriller read-alongs and other shenanigans over on the Shelf Addiction Podcast. Listen now on your podcatcher of choice. Subscribe for free, and you too can have a shelf addiction. So, what are your standout <laughs> moments? All the deaths. I love them. Which which death was your favorite death? Uh, garbage shark. I was going to say garbage shark. Garbage other shark. than garbage shark, because garbage shark oh. is clearly the best death of them all. So, other than garbage shark. Which was your favourite death? Well, it depends because is it well, I suppose if it's person, I was happy that Imogen got it because fuck you, yeah. Imogen. Yeah. Fuck you. Yeah. Um aesthetics Teddies. Yes. I would have loved to have watched Teddies cage electrocution i feel like that's the most artful death yes like the visuals of the exploding rock behind him and then him falling into the gibbet and the electricity just going through all that metal and all that rock into his person and then smoke yeah yeah i think that would have been the most satisfying one to watch other than garbage shark yes but Garbage Shark is the MVP yes. of this entire book. Yes. <laughs> so that essentially means, you know, Garbage Shark is obviously the best, which which means that Whispers is the best? Because Whispers powered the Garbage Shark? Well, I mean, this is a discussion that we also need to have because, and we can say this because we have had it verified from the lovely, wonderful Catherine Foxfield, yes. that every single person on that island is a garbage person. Yes, they're all terrible. They're all terrible people. So the fact that, you know, any of them live is, you know, huge. Yeah. yeah. So really, is Whispers not a nice monster? I mean, I feel like he is the hero because he has gotten rid of all of these shit people. 
So that's yeah, that's he's got rid of these shitty people. Yeah, that's the game. Who need justice? Yeah, he invites all of these terrible people. I mean, at least multiple of the people who are on the island are responsible for other people's deaths. So they are clearly yes. bad people. I feel like the only one who wasn't yes. just straight up awful in all ways is Ollie. But he still died. I would also say Esme. Yeah, yeah, okay. As yeah, Esme too. Yeah. So they're not terrible and they still died which is sad but all the rest of them could have stopped a murder or killed someone or responsible for someone's death in some way shape or form so they deserve to die so i think that whispers is actually a good guy he's a hero because he's ridding the world of these terrible 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 people so monsters are heroes too? Yes. Especially when they're sexy and delicious like Whispers is. As played well, by I... Nicholas Holt in our fan casting. Yes. Because we have fan casted that. It is happening. Yeah. Yep. So if we're just going to skip ahead a little bit, Whispers is my favorite character. <laughs> As if no one would have figured that out. True. It's not a surprise. It's not. It's not. It's not at all. I'm going to defend Esme. If you're skipping ahead a bit, then I'm going to defend Esme as one of my favorite characters. Because, like, she wasn't a raving bitch. Yes. Who murdered people. Yes. And took advantage of people. Yes. I would have liked to have said Jolie for her snazzy remarks because it was like poetry. Yeah, but God, she was just but so freaking mean. hated Jolie. Yeah, she was mean for no reason. She started fights for no reason. Like it was, it was Clem. She punched Clem out. Yeah, because Clem was shouting at Ollie to drop Jolie. Right, and I'm, I'm kind of agreeing with him at that point because I was, I'm, I'm, I just needed Jolie to not be there. Right. Yeah. But to be fair, I was cheering on everybody's murder. So eh. sure. Yeah. Every time there was um, a murder, I was like, yes. Yes. Okay, so you know you know either at that point either o- o- Ollie or Jolie's gonna die. And if it was Jolie, I would have preferred because Ollie at the end of the day wasn't as bad as her, as as her. Yeah. But she punches Clem and then Clem punches her back and lays her out. And I don't agree that violence is the answer with you know, it shouldn't happen. But at the same time it's kinda of like, yeah, sometimes you've got to punch a bitch. Yeah, some I mean, we discussed this in an episode of the podcast last year like sometimes you just gotta slap a skanky bitch sometimes you gotta slap a skanky panther you gotta slap a skanky panther sometimes you know you've got to slap an apex predator that's true you do sometimes you have to do that whether it's a panther in our book series last year or a panda (laughs) in this one you just gotta slap them. Slap a panda. Slap a panda. <laughs> I, she, I mean, going back out to standout moments, the hatred I had for some of these characters, like Jolie, just rubbed me up the wrong way. Just, I, yeah. I don't know how to word this because it annoyed me that. All the way through, I mean, it's it's done third person, but you pre- pre- 
predominantly getting Eva's point of view. And right. she keeps saying how her and Jolie are, you know, you get one, you get the other. The best friends know everything about each other. You know, they joined at the hip. I didn't get any of no. that. I, I got none of that. Because at this stage, there's massive caverns, gaping crevices in their relationship. And I, I don't necessarily know why. Like, Jolie just kept calling Ava fake. And I think Ava's trying to reinvent herself. She's, what, 16, 17, 18? They're at the age yeah. where you do want to change. You do want to try something new. Yeah. Out of jealousy, perhaps? I think it's jealousy. She's, she's just antagonising for no reason. Yeah, I feel like it's jealousy because also before the book started, we know that Ava and Clem have like had a thing. And Ava, like, has a huge crush on him at the beginning, and they've kissed and whatever. And then there's the one scene that is not included and is deleted from the camera that clearly Clem and Jolie hooked up. But then we find out that Clem is a rapist. So he's terrible and is the worst one of them all. But I feel like, you know, since Jolie hooked up with Clem, like, she had to have been jealous of Ava, like, having gotten to him first, you know? Perhaps. Just because she's very vocal about not liking Clem doesn't mean that she doesn't like Clem. Right, and I think that she's maybe one of those people who... You know, she's wearing a panda onesie right now this whole time. So I feel like she's one of those kids that, like, is comfortable in their weirdness. And you think you've got these this, like, core group of friends and they're going to be weird with you too forever. And then Ava stops doing that and she's, like, become trying to become this, like, Instagram influencer, like, really artsy, aesthetic type of person. So... She's maybe lost her weird friend and she just wants her to be weird again. Could also be part of the reason. Yeah. Again, something a conversation would, instead of antagonizing each other, have a conversation. This is a YA book. They don't do that. This is a YA book. So we know that they cannot have a conversation that will save any of their lives. I always like to think that writers have a a D20 dice. Let's geek out for a second. We've got a D20. Okay. And unless they roll a crit 20, the the, the, the like the teenagers are not going to have a conversation. Right. Yeah. Like, crit 20 means they have a communication. Right. And it's just it's so, so rare. rare. The odds mm. are against yeah. them. Yeah. They cannot have a conversation, especially if it leads, you know, to life-saving revelations. Can't do it. Well, exactly. Like, it. you know, not going to a murder pier. Right. Yes. I mean, if you got like you know FaceTime off whispers, and he's like, "Hey, babe, you want to come to the the pier and you know play in the mirror mirrors?" You'd be like, "Yeah, yeah. how yeah, are Here I am. Here I am. <laughs> what time? Eight o'clock. You turn up at six. Yeah. You know. Okay, I'm here. You said you're gonna be here in the mirror mirrors, and you're like putting your lipstick on, like Hi. shushing your boobs up. Yeah, I'm here. Here I am. <laughs> <laughs> I love the mirror mains. 
I think the mirror maze is one of my favourite. <laughs> I've just got this, sorry, I've got this image of you in this mirror maze making out with whispers against the mirror. <laughs> Again, completely reasonable and something that everyone would expect to happen. Yeah. And that's why it's partly funny. <laughs> <laughs> so, excuse me. Where was I? Sorry. So. Making out with the mirror Making maze. out with the mirror maze. So the mirror maze was my favorite because we see whispers. You know, he's been like in the background of photos and like you can just see him back there like, hey, and he's got his smeared emo makeup on and like he's just beautiful in all ways and everyone thinks that he's delicious. But then you see him in the mirror maze and he like becomes full terror giant horrifying teeth mode and like that's when i love him even more you love i love hot teeth mode i love hot teeth mode especially and, and i love evil villains who maybe necessarily aren't villains so much behind the mirror well we've established Can- he's the yes, good guy he's yes. the winner in and this. so like you know and everyone lo- knows that i love Candyman. and Candyman, you know Candyman had a rough deal in his life. He did. So, I love Candyman behind the mirrors. I love Whispers behind the mirrors. So, like, I just, I love, I love all of it. I can see you being Bloody Mary in the future, I, you know? That, yeah, I would love it. Look, just put me behind a mirror. That's all I want. It's fine. <laughs> um, there's, I'm going to kind of skip ahead a little bit. Because we've already skipped ahead and done favorite character. But then there's a quote that I really, really liked that also ties in with this whole conversation. Um, There's, and it's why I love Whisper so much on account of him being like Candyman. And there's there's a line that says, he's the voice inside your head, the knife in your hand, and the secret in the shadows. Which is, it like sounds exactly like Candyman, who is the writing on the wall, the whisper in the classroom. Like these, they're the same. And I love them both so much. (laughs) But as soon as I read that line, I was like, that sounds exactly like Candyman. That sounds exactly like Candyman. So then I went and found the quote from Candyman. Like, yeah, it's exactly the same. So good. Oh, that reminds me, actually, you know, finding a quote from something else and it being completely relevant. I did that myself. Um, oh, as she quickly scours through, they were talking about, was it Jolie? No, it wasn't Jolie. Was it, it was either Scarlet or Imogen. I think it was Imogen who speaks her mind, tells the truth. Well, tells the truth. You know, doesn't, does tell, yeah, tells it how it is, doesn't assemble. Um, no, it's Jolie. It's Jolie who sure. tells it like it is. It was, jo- it was Jolie. Because That's Imogen right. is the whole time like, I didn't do anything wrong. And like, Mother, she's always like this. She said she was going to call herself. And like, I didn't think that she really was. And then the same with she's Livia. Just like just an attention seeker. Yeah. And with Livia, she's like, oh, that's what happens when you're addicted to drugs. What? Oh, she did it to herself. Ugh, yeah, she was the worst. So sorry, go ahead. Go ahead yeah, with what she, you were saying. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, no, it's Jolie. So I happened to watch Glass Onion <laughs> around about the same time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know you can you can you know where you where mm-hmm. I'm gonna go. So um 
can't remember character names because, you know, no good. But one of the characters says, I'm a truth teller. Someone, so I'm a truth teller. Some people can't handle it. Yeah. I'm a truth And then Benoit, who's the only character name I will ever right, remember, says, it's a dangerous thing to mistake speaking without thought for speaking the truth. <laughs> and I, when we were watching it, I was like, shit, it's jolly. <laughs> like, you know, being a, being a, a truth speaker, a truth teller, and people thinking, well, I'm just telling it how it is. I'm just telling the truth. I see this, so I'm giving you my opinion. And it's like, well, that's not being honest. It's yeah. not being a truth mm. speaker. It's mm. just being a thoughtless speaker. Yeah. So there's a big difference. And I remember watching that and going, oh my God, this is so relevant. <laughs> it's perfect. Just as you're talking about movie quotes, it just came to mind. I completely forgot about it until that moment. So yeah. thank you very much for jogging my memory. Sure. And see, this is <laughs> this is one of the reasons why we chose this book for this month because, like, clearly, it's like there's so many movie inspirations or things that you can tie in together with other movies, and it just needs to be a movie itself. It just needs to be adapted itself. Yeah. Yeah, with Nicholas Holt. With Nicholas Holt as Whispers. I don't care about any of the other characters. Only Nicholas Holt. No, because they're all going to right. die. Yeah, all of them. <laughs> Every last yep. one of them. And you could get a plushy garbage shop. Yeah. In the merch shop. Yeah, that would be great. <laughs> That's what I need. Um, were you surprised about anything? I know we've we've talked, we've bounced around quite a bit. We've talked about a lot of things, so I think surprises is the only. Uh, well, thing I mean, that's bouncing left. around a little yeah. bit. Okay. One of my surprises, and it was a good surprise, was that Whispers was an actual monster, and not the the, the monster in the end wasn't quote unquote human yeah. nature. If that was the case, I'd have been like, "Ugh, groan, put the book yeah. down." Yeah, quite heavily yeah. bit of a slam two stars on goodreads but it wasn't it was an actual monster yeah. who was freaking good looking and then turns into a scary ridiculous yeah. beast yeah. love it yeah. love everything about it do not change it right. it was so refreshing i was so worried that it was going to turn out to be something yes. else and it wasn't it was a monster so that was probably my biggest secret like surprise but also like nobody, not once, said I'm hungry. Not nobody. Yeah. Not once. Yeah. Were like, oh, it's been three nights, and I haven't had a bacon buddy. Yeah. Or damn, I could go for some sushi yeah. right now. Yeah. You know, nobody, not once, mentions being hungry. All they're drinking is forty-year-old alcohol. Yeah. See. I- and I'm sorry, but like I would be severely dehydrated and in desperate need of a sandwich. Yeah, I don't think I'd be able to survive, you know, on account of the diabetes. Um, but I think, and we talk about this a little bit more in the bonus episode, so go and definitely listen to the bonus episode, that like there's some wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff happening, and that's mm-hmm. that's why you can just pretend that it's not a big deal. Yeah, but it still bugged me. Like, it, I can pretend it, I, I, and I can suspend my disbelief about it. Yeah. It's fine. But damn, I just wanted somebody to acknowledge that. Yeah, that yeah, that would have been good. 
I think that there's mention of the the candy floss, the cotton candy in the bags. Yeah, and it's just like and that was just this turned up miscolored, soupy yeah. disgustingness. Yeah. But nobody goes, hmm, <laughs> mints. Mm. I don't know. <laughs> so I suppose there's a couple of surprises there. Yeah. But yeah, my main one is the fact that Whispers is an actual monster. Yeah. Um. So mine is very similar to that because at the very beginning of the book. They go into the caverns, and there's those big holes, and they mention like these creepy, black, disgusting s- roots that smell really bad, and they're all—it's all over the place, all under the island. And so, at that point, I was thinking that it was going to be the the roots were going to be like a hallucinogen and that's why all yes. of this weird stuff was happening so I was like it's like a mexican gothic sort of thing like that one was all fungus making people go crazy spoiler alert for that book sorry everyone um but i thought this was i thought this was going to be like that i thought it was the roots that were making all of them act so strangely and but no it was sexy whispers <laughs> Sexy Nicholas Holt. Oh my god. Hello, Whispers. Hello. Hello. (laughs) Do you feel guilt? You can stay with me if you feel guilt. Like, okay, yes, I'm so guilty of everything. Oh my god. I'm so guilty of like fancying you. Uh, Hi. Oh man. Something else that um that is not at all related to that that I was surprised about was like Ollie's secret was not that bad. Yeah. He's just a weightlifter who took steroids. Like he didn't hurt anyone else. He only as I said in the bonus episode hurt his own testicles. <sighs> Yeah. And to be fair, so was Esme's. I mean, I will defend my girl Esme because sure. hers was the fact that she professes to be a lone wolf, but actually she's desperately in love with Livia. Right. And Livia in Livia is a weakness. So it's like, yeah. they're really tame. Why do Whispers... Was their guilt so bad that Whispers was like, mm, yummy num-nums, compared you to know, maybe... Teddy, who committed murder. Right. And maybe Ava, they were an Imogen, like... who let somebody die. Yeah, they're like they're like little snacks. They're just like a little like an appetizer, and then the rest they're of them, an hors you know, they're an hors d'oeuvre. Yes, and then hors d'oeuvre of guilt. Right. Yeah, it's just a little nibble. It's a little taste of guilt, <laughs> and then you move on to the big a taste of guilt. An aperitif. Yes, you move on to the big electro shocking murder main course really <laughs> and then you also order of guilt before electro like before the main course before the main course yes and then you ha- you follow that up with a kebab of guilt because you know clem was speared <laughs> through the heart so... Oh. so he's a garbage kebab kebab of guilt <laughs> I love it's all really of good yes and I think now that that should bring us to time for would you rather 
think we've gone past it now. I think <laughs> that we have. I think that we have. <laughs> it is time for Would You Rather, and I don't know if anyone else heard that, but I heard someone else in the background. <gasps> Was it whispers? Shut up. We can only hope that it's whispers. I mean, he's, he's hot. <laughs> Especially if it's our fan cast of Nicholas Holt. Yes. That's yes. really good. Yeah. Ooh. yeah. Ooh, we love Nicholas Holt. So, um, if you're wondering who that extra voice is, listeners, it's author Catherine Foxfield. Yay! Yay! <laughs> We're so excited. We're so excited. We didn't know if we would get to talk to you or not, so we didn't include it on any of our promo material, so it's going to be a surprise for everyone. Love a surprise interview. I know, yay! <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, are you ready for Would You Rather? Yes, I am. Fantastic. Okay. On social media, we asked, would you rather get lost in a mirror maze or in a creepy underground tunnel? On Facebook, I. It was a creepy underground tunnel. On Ooh. Instagram, it was mirror maze with 67%. On Twitter, Scarily enough, it was Mermaids with 67%. And on TikTok, it was Mermaids with 70%. So, bit of a difference. We've gave you some comments from our wonderful listeners. Constance on Facebook said, Oh, hell no, I am going in those damn tunnels. Mermaids, if any at all. Bree on Facebook said, Creepy underground tunnels equals potential cave-in. Being trapped forever without food or water or an exit. Claustrophobia. Mirror maze equals a headache, but easily fixed with smashing and risking lots of bad luck and tiny cuts. Colin on Facebook said, Now you see, mirror maze was my first choice, but then I realised I'd just end up running face-first into every G-dangle mirror in the place. Creepy underground tunnels, at least, have the advantage that you at least know where you are. Maybe you can find a map or at least appropriate one of the friendly hobos. Coral on Facebook said, Have you been in a mirror maze? So confusing. At least in underground tunnel, there's only two ways to go, back or forward. Long as I get a flashlight, we're going with underground tunnel. Coral, I know you watch Destination Fear because you're the one who told me to watch it. I'm sorry, but this season there is no flashlights. <laughs> She'll get that reference. Yikes. <laughs> L20Kev on Instagram. It's all about pee for me. Of course, Kev, it's always of about pee. Of course, Kevin, it's all about pee. I'd say mirror maze because wherever you go in the world, if you ever have to walk through a tunnel, there always smell of urine. <laughs> oh, Kevin. Oh, Kevin, it's all about the bodily functions. It is. Books from Fairies on Instagram said, Not sure. I'm afraid mirror maze will give me some fright too. I'm suspicious about reflections in mirrors. I try to avoid them if I can. Mm. And lastly, Madlad831 on TikTok said, Mirror maze doesn't sound bad until you realise you're stuck with me, myself and I. One of them is always in your face. So, Catherine, mirror maze or underground tunnels? I think I would have to go for the mirror maze and it's difficult because obviously I wrote the book so I know you can't actually touch the mirrors because something horrible might happen but um, (laughs) my second book actually that just came out in the US uh, called uh, come out come out whatever you are is set in an underground cave and awful things happen so um, yeah I wouldn't be going for the underground tunnels personally it would scare me too much. 
You see, I have a long-standing... Everybody, everybody knows I know I can walk past a mirror and never see myself because I just I avoid looking in mirrors at all possible. <laughs> and I don't really want to be stuck in a mirror maze, especially because it's, it's the infinity problem yeah. as well. I mean, I don't think I'd want to be in either, personally. I mean, I like being in books, but... Un- just... Unfortunately, you wrote it, so you're stuck in one of them. <laughs> you have to pick. Oh, no. Yeah. It's not I, I... our fault. Don't blame us. I know, it's I know. It's not my fault, isn't it? Yeah, I'd definitely go for the mirror maze. I'd probably try and sneak in, like, a, a large hammer or something. If you could break the mirrors, I think it would probably be a bit easier, but I don't know. There's something about the tunnels. Plus, yeah. I love spooky things, so... Tunnels... Yeah, I mean, I love spooky things, but not dying. It's kind of, it's that line, isn't it? Death. Yeah, but if you break the mirrors, okay, Mm. you are surrounded by sharp, pointy objects that could kill you. Or someone else. Yes. The person who's behind the mirrors, perhaps. (laughs) (laughs) Or in the mirrors. Or in the mirrors, yes. What are you doing, Amanda? I don't know, because I love both of them. (laughs) Um, I mean, I got serious Candyman vibes, and everyone knows how much I love Candyman, so it's fine. Um, so I'm like, I kind of, I'm kind of thinking, I really want to be in the mirror maze so I can have my full-on Candyman vibes. But then also, I like the underground tunnels too because, I mean, they're just creepy beyond all reason, and I love, I love all things creepy. I think okay. just, just for Candyman purposes, I'm going for the mirror maze. Well, can and I point also, out? Wait, no. How many times do I get to see whispers in the mirror maze? He's all around me, and I'll just be like, "Oh, look how beautiful you are." It's oh my fine. god, you've, it's fine. You've, you've turned into a BFF. That's fine. Yeah. Remember, we're the lords and masters of all that we severe when we do. Would you rather? So you can That's twist true. it to however you want. So my proposal to you is, I haunt the tunnels because. Dang, I want to do that. That's a life sure. goal. Mm-hmm. You can live your best Candyman life and haunt the mirrors, and then we've both got what we want. Okay, I like that. I thought there's you were nothing gonna... in the question that says we have to be the victim. <laughs> That's true. See, I thought you were going to suggest that the mirror maze is inside underground tunnels, I mean, which could would just really get want. both of them. <laughs> it could if you want. <laughs> Make it even scarier. Uh, yeah, as long as I don't fall down a hole in the underground tunnels, you know, that's fine. I'm taking a thigh bone from um, Bulbul the Magnificent and using it as a stick <laughs> to prod the ground <laughs> to check he doesn't, the he doesn't need it anymore. He's, no, he's, he's used that now. <laughs> he's a, he's ex-magnificent. Yeah, oh, bless bad. him. <laughs> Alright, next question. Would you rather smell Livia's smelly coat or Jolie's scuzzy, used, exceptionally used panda suit? This is end of the book panda suit. Oh, God, right at the end, okay. (laughs) Well, I mean, it would have to depend whether they were actually wearing them. Because they're alive. Yeah. I kind of feel like if you tried to sniff Jolie, she would probably punch you in the face. I can't see that going down well. She'd be like, what are you doing? Why are you sniffing me? Get away from me and chuck you off here. So I feel that would actually be the better smelling option, but also the more dangerous. Whereas sniffing a panda. Livia's coat. I've just, I've kind of 
known people with coats like that. I don't know. I used to commute on the London Underground a lot. And I'm right at the right height for when I'm standing there. I'm armpit level with all the men in suit jacket who <laughs> never laundered them. And so that smell, I can just almost taste it. And yeah. It no. is thick. It's, it's bitty. Almost yeah. gritty. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. There was somebody out the other day on mm. public transport. Yeah, it's not nice. People should have to wash if they go on public transport. I feel like that's funny. You're asking for way too much. I know. Maybe I should just... <laughs> way too much. Yeah, <laughs> deal with it. I don't go on the underground anymore, so I'm much happier with my choices. <laughs> the The underground does have this, like, miasma of smell that as you're going down the, the escalators, kind of the heat of the underground hits you oh. and then the smell hits you and then you're like... Oh, you can feel yeah. it no it's making me sick just thinking about it mm. see i'm gonna go with the panda suit i think it would smell better it's just grimy more than stinky i'd say you're gonna risk mm. the face punch yeah i am i'm gonna have to do that and i quite like that character i think she's really fun and she's one of my favorites i mean obviously she's a nightmare but i think i think she's nice hot yeah, I'm going to risk Jolie's panda suit as well. But I might actually just ask her, can I sniff a panda? She'll probably she, quite like that. She, she'll probably quite like it. Um, Livia's coat is going to stink of sweat mm-hmm. and probably urine. And that's... No. No, too much. It's yeah. too much. Yeah, she likes a lot of drugs. And drugs don't smell good. <laughs> so I'm going to go... I'm going to join you guys and, and go with the face punch panda suit. <laughs> you could also put on like a onesie of an animal and then you could have like a, a fight. Yeah, um, I've got a nice bumblebee onesie. Bumblebee versus panda. I think that could be good. That's a pay-per-view in the making. It really is. It really, really is. <laughs> Bumblebee versus Panda in the greatest sniffing fight. I'm going to write that book next, I think. <laughs> Please yes. do! People in animal suits fighting. I think that's a really good idea. Next question. Would you rather see whispers in full terror mode or see the ghost of one of your friends? Ooh, that's quite a hard one, isn't it? I mean, whispers is hot. And then I would like to meet him, but I'm also very aware he would probably kill me. Um, (laughs) I'd feel like a ghost of one of my friends is sort of straying into sort of actual real heartbreak territory. (laughs) I think, yeah, I I kind of like my books to be a bit unbelievable and over the top and a bit silly. So I think I'd have to go with whispers. I think I think I could win him round. I really do. I think I think we could be mates. It's only if you've got something to feel guilty about that is like properly interested yeah that's true actually i think i'd just be quite boring to him because i'm not really not much of a rule breaker so yeah i don't think he'd want me mm. yeah mm, i'm not sure amanda what you, give me your reasoning so i can steal it like, to say, like <laughs> why are you even asking me everyone knows how i feel about whispers it's fine <sighs> And creepy, ter- terrifying things. That's me. That is me in a nutshell. So, yeah, I just want to hang out with Whispers all the time, no matter what he looks like. Are his teeth scary? Even better. Yeah. That's all I want. Cracked, aren't they? Yep. That's Charged all I want in life. 
<laughs> a man with cracked teeth and big mouth. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in love. <laughs> I'm stuck between a monster and a ghost. We we both know my feelings on monsters and ghosts. I know. freaking love them. I know. I don't know if I want to see a ghost and my friend. Though. You don't ghost hunt in your own territory. You don't. But first rule of ghost hunting, do not ghost hunt in your own house. But like, what if you're doing a seance? Because then you, you want to talk to them. You don't, if unless you really, you, you, if you're willing to open yourself up to potential attachments from negative entities, then fine. <laughs> seance where you shit, that's fine. But personally... Seance where you shit. Seance where you shit. <laughs> Gonna write that one down. Yeah, put on a t-shirt. Get that one printed. Oh, you know what? It's already going in our shop. We'll send you one. Don't worry. <laughs> um, but I don't want it. To, I don't. I don't. As much as I, I would like to think ghosts are real. I we it's it's a long-standing fictional hangover. Not like everybody knows I love ghosts, and I've done ghost hunts, etc., etc. I'm not convinced ghosts are real. So if I saw a ghost of my friend, it's either going to convince me or think I'm like make me believe I'm needing to seek therapy. <laughs> but if whispers transforms from Nicholas Holt into some big terror mode, that's, that's still kind of hot. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm I'm with you, Amanda. I'm gonna have to meet Terror Mode Whispers. It's the best. It's the best version. <laughs> the best version, Terror Mode. Terror, Terror Mode. Mode Engage. Yes. All right. Would you rather witness the cage electrocution or the pier garbage shark attack? Oh, um, see, both of those characters, I feel they really deserved what they got. So I was kind of cheering their deaths as yeah. I wrote them. There were a few deaths where I was like, this is actually genuinely sad. But with those two, I was like, they totally deserved that. So yeah. I think maybe the, the garbage shark, because I quite like yes. the kind of this monster rising up out of the water and impaling someone through the heart. I think it's got a kind of nice sort of finality to it, it kind of. You know he's dead. It's no coming back from that, yeah. is there? Yeah. And Clem totally deserved that. He needed yeah. to he be was killed. A, he was a garbage shark himself. He yes. <laughs> Teddy's was a bit pathetic. He like, was he was a pathetic was person pathetic. who did a terrible thing. And his death, like, sobbing drunk, was also <laughs> sad and pathetic i just i had no yeah. sympathy for i didn't have any sympathy from clem but at least when clem died i was like yes <laughs> yeah finally got that justice because he was he was around too long every time it got to that edge and i think amanda you said the same thing it got so close to him being killed and they didn't and then he wasn't and they, yeah you just wanted him to die yeah yes. i got it i got so excited every time like oh he's finally gonna die no <laughs> can you imagine if he'd lived till the end oh, oh there would have been worst. a very angry tweet to say yeah. the least oh but <laughs> but like terrible endings are my favorite type of thing so i would have loved it like yes i hate this guy <laughs> he's, 
He's, you know, in real life as well, that he's the kind of guy that probably would just get away with it all. Oh, of course he would. His lovely life and not think anything of it. And so it was quite cathartic to write it and be like, for once, this type of boy is going to get his comeuppance. Yes. He was a he was like the epitome of like boys will be boys behaviour. And I hate that. He'd, he'd turn around and just be like, oh, but I'm a nice guy. And it's like... Mm. Mm. Oh, I hate mm. that kind of nice popular guy who thinks he can do whatever he wants. That's, uh, but yeah. the environment. <laughs> you would have done the same thing if you were in my position. No. <laughs> And then he flips out his harmonica and plays with it. Like, you, yeah, you shut up. Yeah, like, when I thought about it, I was like, oh, he really is the most irritating man. <laughs> harmonica. <laughs> What's the most irritating uh, musical instrument? Well, I could give him a kazoo, but it's not really... Yeah. <laughs> it's not that musical. Give him the musical version of a, of a kazoo. And that's a harmonica. That's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> I've hit my son's harmonica. <laughs> Mm. right oh are we on the last question we are we are on the last would you rather would you rather confess your secret or kill to keep your secret confess or kill confess or kill I'm a bit of a wuss and so I would just confess I'm not a very good rule breaker and I think part of the reason I write books is I get to kind of live these other lives that I definitely wouldn't in real life <laughs> and I, I mean I love the idea of being that unrepentant evil person who's like I've done bad things I don't care you can't make me confess and I love that kind of character but I know I'm a massive wuss so I would just say <laughs> oh, yeah I did it I did it I'm sorry I'm so sorry but I wouldn't have done anything that bad to start with that's the thing I'm quite a coward the thing is though I mean if you're saying that you would do it and you wouldn't feel like you wouldn't care then Whispers isn't going to be interested because you've got no guilt about it. That's the loophole. You're a sociopath. Yeah. You get away with it. That's true, actually, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the way forward, I guess. <laughs> Become a sociopath. That's the only way. That's the only way you can win. Life goal. <laughs> sociopath. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> hmm. I think mine depends on the kill. You know, because some of the kills in the book were more exciting. They were, you know, they were more shocking, uh, as it were. Sorry. <laughs> womp, womp, womp. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. Um, <sighs> My argument to you or statement to you would be how many people are already dead and how close am I to, am I to winning the game? Mm. Thought this through. Of course. <laughs> if I'm close to winning the game. And it's that line, isn't it? How far would you go to actually protect yourself and to save your own life and potentially save the lives of the people you care about? And I mean, I think I could kill someone if it was to save myself and if they were a really evil person. So if it was if it was me and Clem, then I would be like, yeah, you're dying. That's that. Well, yeah, that's that- it. Yeah, that was going to be my thought. Like, who who am I left with at the end? Like, am I there with my friends or is it me and Clem? Because if it's me and Clem, I mean, garbage shark all the way. But if it's one of my friends, like, am, what am I going to do? To Am I going to try to keep you safe? Are you going to try to keep me safe? Or are we just going to end up screwing each other over at the end? Like, how's it going to go? 
This is a tough question. I hate it. <laughs> my leanings towards kill. Legal disclosure. I'm not killing anybody. We are not killing anyone. Fictional killing hangover anybody. is not killing anyone. No. And the only reason I'm saying that is because I don't see any reason to confess my secret, whatever my secret may be, until the situation warrants it. And like we said, it depends on who's left as to whether it's worth it. If it's, like we say, Clem, Teddy, no. no and if you gone. confess your secret, you're probably going to be the next person to die because you're no longer any use to whispers. So <sighs> yeah. putting a target on you just yeah. to do the right thing, aren't you? So I can't. I can't confess my secrets because I want to team up with whispers. <laughs> I want to. I want to be friends with him. So yeah. I'll so just kill all the way. Just kill everyone. Just yeah. kill everyone. It's fine. I don't know why we debated this for this long. It's I don't kill know. Everyone. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why we thought we talked about it for so long. Do we get a Netflix and chill <laughs> with whispers? Kill everyone. Yeah. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm so glad we're all three just straight up murderers. Yeah. It's good to know. It's good to know. That's the end of Would You Rather. And I love it when we have authors join us, especially when they're tiny and precious and also violent murderers. Yes. I love a body count. I know. I love it. I love it. I I have a feeling Catherine might have one of the highest body counts of any guests we've had. Yeah. I think you might be right. Nice. Yeah. We'll have to... (laughs) We'll definitely have to continue reading her books and, you know, just keep a tally going in the background. Definitely. 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 We like to tally things. We do. See the nipple count from See Sookie. the nipple count and see the counts, multiple counts that are going to be coming in Twilight. Not going to spoil that for everyone, <laughs> but there are a couple of things that I am counting as we go through the series. Can I say I'm very worried by our glitter intake these next four months? <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 gonna be bad. I think I need to stock up. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be good. Anyway, that's not what we're talking about. Uh, we should move on to favorite final thought quote. This one had so many. Oh my god, yes! Basically, any time Jolie opened her mouth, that wasn't an aggravating insult. Yes. <laughs> um. Okay, I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna put a number on. Okay. Yeah, just go. Just go. Ava is going to document the moment when I work out who brought us here and punch their dick off. <laughs> Can you tell who said that one? Oh, oh. <laughs> Nobody messes with me like this and lives. Oh, that's a good one. I resort to Star Wars trivia at times of great stress. <laughs> Guilt has roots. Don't let it pull you down. Ooh. I kind of think regret and guilt aren't such terrible things. Not if they make us better people. So many good ones. They are. I think I'll leave it there. Um, Otherwise, I'm just going to get into the unfortunate case of reading the book out. Right. Yes, I have. And there are laws against that. Yeah. I've got a lot, too. Um... Teenagers mysteriously summoned to a derelict pier. And then the murders begin. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh, 
let's see. Oh, she deliberately plucked her eyebrows so one was permanently quirked in an expression of disbelief. <laughs> let's see. Oh, because you said Star Wars, I have to use a Star Wars one too. I agree. Something Jar Jar Binks level weird is going on. <laughs> Hmm, let's see, what else do I really like? You're all awesome in a really terrible way. <gasps> Whispers is a gigantic black fungus with a million arms. I can't wait to meet him. <laughs> I would have said that was a, an Amanda quote, <laughs> not a book quote, but I know it's a book quote. <laughs> it is, it is. Oh, let's see. Any more? Mm, try not to die if it can be helped. <laughs> I think that's probably good enough. But but if that happens, I will save you from Thank death. Thank you. I will also save your life from death. <laughs> Whilst <laughs> eating back. a potato. <laughs> mm, potato. I have a potato. Mm, that potato's going to be with you forever. You also have a moldy old apple floating around. <laughs> Oh, no, I'll put it in the bin. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Okay, if you liked this, try this. What are you going to suggest? I am going to suggest Frozen Charlotte. Ah, yes. Yes. This one was brought to our attention because lovely author, uh, fictional hangover family member, Amy McCaw, has started a book club as well, and it is their January read. And it sounds really good, but I'm going to have to put my glasses on. (laughs) Excuse me one moment. (laughs) Right, so the summary. Dunvegan School for Girls has been closed for many years. Converted into a family home, the teachers and students are long gone, but they're left something behind. Sophie arrives at the old schoolhouse to spend the summer with her cousins, brooding Cameron with his scarred hand, strange Lilius with her fear of Bones and Piper, who seems just a bit too good to be true. And then there's her other cousin. The girl with a room full of antique dolls. The girl that shouldn't be there. The girl that died. Ghosts. Ghosts. Creepy things. Creepy dolls. So good. And, and and it's it's described in the quotes as deliciously creepy. Yes. So, so creepy. Yes. yes. And yeah, so I mean come on, the tagline, we're waiting for you to come and play. Mm. Which kind of gives me some whispers vibes yes. as well. Yeah. Like he's waiting for these young teens to come and play with him at the fun yes. fair. That will be murder. <laughs> so yeah, what's your recommendation? My Anna? recommendation is called "The Island" by C. L. Taylor, and this is hashtag tenuous link, not tenuous at all. Actually, Love a tenuous link. Welcome to the island where your worst fears are about to come true. It was supposed to be the perfect holiday, a week-long trip for six teenage friends on a remote tropical island. But when their guide dies of a stroke, leaving them stranded, the trip of a lifetime quickly turns into a nightmare. Because someone on the island knows each of the group's worst fears. And one by one, they're coming true. 
Seven days in paradise, a deadly secret. Who will make it off the island alive? Oh, that is not hashtag tenuous link. That's a hashtag obvious link. Yes, yes, (laughs) There will be one. Nice. Do you have a spotlight this week? I do. I do have a spotlight this week. Um, This one is called The Angel Maker by Alex North. And this one comes out at the end of February. Growing up in a beautiful house in the English countryside, Katie Shaw lived a charmed life. At the cusp of graduation, she had, a, she had big dreams, a devoted boyfriend, and a little brother she protected fiercely, until the day a violent stranger changed the fate of her family forever. Years later, still unable to live down the guilt tenuous link surrounding what happened to her brother chris and now with a child of her own to protect katie struggles to separate the real threats from the imagined tenuous link then she gets the phone call chris has gone missing and needs his big sister once more meanwhile detective lawrence page is facing a particularly gruesome crime a distinguished professor of fate and free will has been brutally murdered tenuous link just hours after firing his staff. All the leads point back to two old cases, the gruesome attack on teenager Christopher Shaw and the despicable crimes of a notorious serial killer who, legend had it, could see the future. Oh, yes. I thought that one sounded like a lot of fun. It does. Yes. All right. So, that's it for this episode of Fictional Hangover. I'm Amanda. And I'm Claire. Join us next time as we discuss The Dream Thieves by Maggie Stiefvater. Look out for our Would You Rather polls on social media. Don't forget about our book club and monthly challenges on Facebook. Be sure to visit our shop on Redbubble at fictionalhangover.redbubble.com for all your favorite fictional hangover-themed merchandise. And become a patron of ours on Patreon at patreon.com slash fictionalhangover. Until next time, remember, the only cure for a fictional hangover is another book. You can find us at fictionalhangover.com, follow us on Instagram at fictionalhangover, find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash fictionalhangover, and on Twitter at fictionalhangover, no E-R. If you like this episode, check out our others, and be sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you don't miss out. And finally, special thanks to Liz Emerson for her music. You can find her on Facebook and Patreon. Thanks for listening. <laughs>